welcome to Mouthwash, TBD Conference's podcast with me, Paul Armstrong, creator and curator of TBD Conference and founder of Emerging Technology Advisory here forth. Miss Yankee, TBD's resident poet, has graced every TV stage there has been to bring audiences to their feet and to tears with her words. An award-winning talent that gets to travel the world, Miss Yankee and I talked about the power of words, inspiration, activism, and a whole lot more besides. There's also an impromptu performance. You can find out more about Miss Yankee over at Miss Yankee, that's K-E-Y, dot com, MissYankee.com. Enjoy the show. I first saw Miss Yankee perform in an abandoned power station, and I was blown away by her power to captivate an audience. Um, the British Guardian writer and spoken word artist is not shy when it comes to issues. She is a global force in the poetry world and has performed at some of the largest venues and events, including the original TVD conference and everyone since. Um, the word I use to describe Miss Yankee is authentic. Um, she's been mentored by seven times Grammy winner uh, and nominated Natalie, the flowicist Stuart, um, and she hosts two of London's most popular spoken word show the chocolate poetry club and mind over matter she's a four times international slam champion and now a recording artist and her debut ep shadow work in the air came out uh in december i think december 22nd um she's also featuring on several tracks written and recorded during lockdown so you'll be expecting to hear her on several of those as well miss yankee is just getting started and as well as all that she is just one of two people i allow voice notes from so yeah miss yankee welcome to the show <laughs> how did friday treat you so far you know what i spent all day in the forest today amongst trees so it's music to my ears to know that I'm, I'm helping to get some trees planted tonight. I'm, I'm oh. feeling really good, really relaxed. Excellent, excellent. Well, that's how we like to do it on Fridays at Mouthwash. Um, just so you know, it's not just me uh, chatting with Miss Yankee. As I said, I want to hear from your questions as well. Please use the hashtag Mouthwash Show. Um, I'll do my best to get them in. And who knows, Miss Yankee might even go through them at the end of the show. She is that nice, as are all our guests. They're all very nice people. Um, okay, where to begin? Um, let's start with what was the first thing you thought of when you woke up this morning? Every morning, I have this, I, I do the same thing. Um, and it's going to sound a bit cliched, maybe and cheesy, but I, I give thanks. I give thanks for my daughters. I have eight-year-old twins, and that's the first thing I do. I've I've been practicing gratitude, Paul. That's good. And and it's good, yeah. It, it really does. It's, I mean, things for everyone. Everyone's got their own, you know, their own crap that they deal with, and it, it's been a really heavy year for obvious reasons. But for everyone, so I have found that starting my day with gratitude, even even when maybe I'm, I'm risking going into that kind of, oh, it's a horrible week thing has, has made all the difference. So yeah, first thing this morning, gave thanks for my daughters. Um, and I wrote, yeah. Do you normally write in the mornings? Is that your, is that your time or is it when you, whenever you can do it? I, I usually write in the twilight. So oh, um, okay. yeah, lockdown has meant being with my kids full time. Yeah. <laughs> Homeschooling, all, all of that. So yeah, I was sleeping at around 9 p.m. when the kids went down and then setting my alarm for 3.33 a.m. to be specific and waking up and having a chunk of time in the twilight to just to, to write. I would recommend it. I mean, I know it sounds a bit crazy, but, you know, when you're not getting a lot of time in silence and a lot of time to have like sort of peaceful thinking, actually, I'd get more work done in the twilight than I would try to squeeze it in in I moments think- throughout the day. Yeah, I, I hear you, when we've spoken before, you use the word flow a lot, and I want to talk about that a bit later. But let's mm. go back to the beginning. Tell me about early Miss Yankee. How did how did you start your career, and how did it all come about? Um, 
with, with the career specifically within poetry, it was, it happened organically, really. I'd been writing on the sly and I'd, I'd been publishing my stuff online. So I started online, sort of shy page poet, sharing my written work. And my cousin suggested that I write um, a poem about my experience of, of domestic violence. So I did. And that sort of just opened a gateway to me feeling more comfortable with writing because it was accepted for publication. Um, and then a few months later, I, I was submitting all of a sudden. I, it gave me the confidence to submit, which for anyone in, in, in the creative field, I'd strongly suggest submitting your work and getting feedback. And I submitted something for a national poetry um, prize and it was shortlisted. And shortlisted participants basically were invited to the Royal Albert Hall to, to compete. So that was actually my first poetry performance straight into the frying pan from, and, from um, the first time you 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 submitted you got in and got to that high level yeah it was a, it, it was a, it was crazy it was <laughs> and I knew it was a big deal because mm. all my mum's sisters came down from Derbyshire to support bar one she has seven she has six sisters um, <laughs> and they all came down they were like oh and my niece is performing in the Royal Albert Hall so it was all it was all a bit crazy and very um, cool yeah, from from there, it, it took me a few months after that, um, but I would I started going to open mic nights, and it all unfolded from there. Really, uh, lots of support from the community, more and more opportunities to host, and I started winning some competitions. And here we are. I think we're in my my fifth year now. Wow, you have had so much success considering five years. So you realised you had talent early on, and you went for that, and that's the thing. Who were the ones? Was it was it your parents? It sounds like, and your sisters, that mum sisters rather, that were pushing you, or, or did it sort of come from you inside? What were what was the sort of the force that sort of made you push forward? Um, in the early days, my, my mum, of course, but one of my mum's sisters in particular has always been like an avid supporter of my poetry, <laughs> always. So that was really, really good to have family support. But the biggest driving force has been my daughters, my children. Mm. I've created more since they're eight now. I have eight-year-old twins. And um, I really was thinking about the kind of young women or the opportunities I would want them to have and the, and the things that I wouldn't want them to have. And, and one of the big things for, for me is really making my job part of my lifestyle and something that I enjoy um, and to normalize that for that not to be kind of a faraway dream for them so they made me do this I was like I'm not I'm not going back to corporate again I'll work with corporates but I'm not sitting at a desk and I'm, I'm going to be a rebel and go and cause trouble and be an activist and so yeah my, my kids just catapulted me into into this world of I can do it I will and, and here we are. I like that. So speaking of the world, as they say, you are an award-winning um, artist who's travelled around and you um, work with, like you said, with corporates and other people, which I want to talk about a bit later. But it's a scene, quote-unquote, finger wiggles, um, which most people don't often get to see, um, or they see it in, like, the movies or something like that. Can you tell us a bit about the sort of the industry, um, its main players, awards? Shine a light on it for us. Yeah, well, up in the, there's there's pre-COVID and 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 what we're now what's now emerging. So um, I guess that the scene, lots of different poets would describe it differently. So this is my perspective of the scene. Um, but my experience has been this huge, large network of of events 
a community of, of events predominantly, open mic shows, community organisations, spaces for spoken word artists to, to come and hone their craft and for audiences to come and, uh, and watch. And I mean, spoken word is the fastest growing art form in the UK. So there's the up until the, the, the lockdown started, we had this explosion of all different events, Mind Over Matter Chocolate Poetry Club, which you mentioned that, that I co-host, the Flow Vortex, um, which is at the Hideaway in Streatham, Poetic Unity, um, a, a weekly running event in Brixton, these kind of really uh, hotbeds of talent, really. So that's kind of like the, the, the core, I think, of the community. But then what, what you have is all of these poets that are really taking poetry and, and, and pushing it um, to new places. Artists like Scroobius Pip, George the Poet, has developed such an incredible body of work with his podcast and 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 the stuff he's been creating. Holly McNeish, Kay Tempest, um, Yomi Sode with the theatre work he's been doing. Roger Robinson he wrote the most incredible book, A Portable Paradise, uh, won the T. S. Eliot um, Award a couple of years ago. Um, and and my favourite thing recently, there's an incredible, talented feminist poet host creative called Salma El Wadani who um who just got a hundred a six-figure book deal with trapeze books so things are really happening poets are it's not just open mic nights now poets are taking the art form into all kinds of fascinating spaces from theater um there's still some incredible books being published we've got um art fusing with with, with poetry so I, I suggest if you don't know about it, guys, and you're listening, take some time to look it up. It's um, it's perhaps quite far removed from what you may expect. It, it definitely was when I, because I I have done that obviously when I when I um first uh asked you to do TBD, I went, oh, what's all this about, you know, and what should I ask her to sort of like do, and um I can definitely see from our chats as well that it is a space that it's evolving, and I'm thrilled that you mentioned all of those um accolades that people are getting and that sort of stuff you've also been experimenting with things like ar and that sort of stuff augmented reality mm. um how else are you seeing it evolving? do you think that um you know everyone and their mother wants a twitter space and that sort of thing at the moment um are you uh, seeing that it will <laughs> is it is it basically free work or do you think that you know, these sorts of opportunities are gonna spawn new new opportunities basically i mean a bit of both i guess it's how it's used um I think if people can step into spaces and have a real opportunity to share their work and their art form to new spaces, and more importantly, to share it as a craft and as a respected craft, um, I think it, it, it's really important. I would, and maybe I'm biased because I'm a poet and I know all artists get it, but um, you know, often I still to this day will get booking inquiries with just no mention of payment as if to say, <laughs> My job, I'm going to sit there and write words or, or do it for free. So, yeah. so, yeah, I think it's really important to have spaces in which we platform poetry, not just as something lovely to listen to, but as a real credible art form that can do quite remarkable things and be used in all kinds of different ways other than, you know, someone, nothing, not that there's anything wrong with reading sad poetry on an open mic. I've read much of it myself, <laughs> but it stretches beyond that. So, yeah, I, I think... New platforms are always good um, if they shed a light on on the work, on the craft in, in a positive and helpful way. I think. Yeah. 
I think that's important, isn't it? It is a craft. It does take time and an incredible amount of skill. And I think anyone who comes at you or others without asking, you know, what budget and that sort of thing, it, it is doing a disservice, I think, as well, because I think you do need time to sort of create something great and that sort of thing. Um, all right. Uh, let's talk about slam poetry in particular, because I know you and I are both fans of that. Um, what, what are its roots? How did it sort of come about and how does it differ to regular poetry? I mean, it's, it's difficult. If I'm honest, I the people argue over the roots of slam poetry. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it's contentious for a lot of people, but um, most would say, and I would agree, that it originated um, in the States, um, although I am far from an expert on slam poetry. I guess it would be helpful to, to really actually just explain what exactly is spoken word. Um, yeah. There are many interpretations, um, but as well as being one of the fastest developing art, art forms, I, I guess in short, it's um, it's poetry or it's word that is written for performance and, and delivered in a variety of styles. So you are, it often involves collaboration and experimentation with other art forms, notably music and theatre, sometimes with, with dance, but spoken word is all about the performance and delivery. It's about connecting with the audience. It's about making people feel um, and making people experience, you, you know, as opposed to, to the reading of a poem from, from the page, which perhaps hasn't considered the performance element so much. Slam poetry takes it that step further in that you're competing. So you're, you're stepping on stage and, and rules vary depending on who's hosting the slam and where the slam is. I've done a few different ones, but what it, what it involves are, are a panel of judges who will score your poetry out of 10 um, with decimal points. And you'll go round for round, sometimes two rounds, sometimes three as the contestants whittle down and someone takes the, the, the prize of the best poem. So it could be quite savage. People really want the prize, especially when it's a big one or, or, or a big event. So that's the difference with slam poetry. There's competition involved. And uh, like you say, it can get quite ferocious. I've seen some on YouTube that are um, incredibly powerful. Um, mm -hmm. When, how long has it been around, slam poetry? Do you know or? Oh gosh, I, I can't possibly do, if I if I quote that and get it wrong, you know, everyone will be coming, she's not a poet, she doesn't know the history, but. <laughs> right, well, we'll go to Wikipedia. And we'll longer than I, longer than, you know, longer than I've known poetry. So we would say decades, but we'll, we'll move on from that. Don't yeah, quote me on that, Paul. Decades it is. <laughs> um, what's the future of slam poetry in your opinion? Um, some really interesting things have come out of lockdown. Um, there, were, there were quite a few online slams that notably drew quite a lot of attention and, and one of the most beautiful things was this um, this coming together uh, uh, in competition but it, it's gone further than that since of poets from all across the world competing because of course suddenly it's online so the variety of poetry became a lot richer immediately because you there was this kind of America versus UK poet thing happening which was quite good fun um, they say steel sharp and steel so I I believe with slams I mean mind over matter we just did a collaborative slam um, with uh, an event over in the UAE we have we have another one coming I, I believe with Dubai so I think a lot more collaborative um, work and in the UK what I would love to see with slam poetry is for the slam culture to grow um, for there to be more opportunities for poets to take part 
in slams and to go to some of the bigger international slams and competitions for more money to be put into the slam um, poetry scene. And, and I, I believe it's going to happen. I hope so. I think it really is an art form in and of itself. I like the competition element of it. It's definitely, you know, adds another sort of dimension to it. And, 100%. Um, yeah, I mean, you and I are talking about a project which will be very interesting, which I, I will we'll definitely talk more on around that sort of thing. Um, when we look, so you don't just do Slambo, you we work with other um, organisations and companies and that sort of thing. Let's talk about your work for a bit. How is your work changing and evolving based on people's knowledge of what's happening, you know, seeing you at TBD, you know, mm. your your music and that sort of thing? Um, the thing with being a freelancer, as I'm, I'm sure anyone listening that freelancers knows, is, is up until you get to a certain point, it's always multiple income streams and then trying to work as smart as you can and reduce those streams down. So for me, immediately, it's a lot more work online. Um, I'm, I've been and I continue to develop new services and just to think practically about actually the business side of what I do with my creative skills. So updating my product suite and really developing what I do with, with Poetry Prescribed, which is the, the workshop programs that I run and really taking the opportunity to be able to connect and facilitate workshops, not just here, I'm now able to facilitate, of course, internationally as well um so that's happening in in terms of the business side of things i'm also really excited to be doing a lot of creative direction so not just writing my own poetry and planning my own performance but working with poets um to develop and workshop new pieces collaborative pieces and group pieces which is something that is done a lot in the states specifically but group poetry is not something that um is really popular over here. So I'm going to be doing a lot of creative direction and looking at that. And then finally, enjoying just expression for myself, enjoying collaborating with other musicians, other art forms. I've got some theatre stuff happening. I've got music coming out. So just really being able to create a space in which I can say, do you know what? I've worked really hard in those areas. I'm going to enjoy creating. You know, I find creative uh, things sometimes challenging. I'm far too direct, and that's the thing. Explain to me how the group poetry works. How do how do you physically like go about writing a poem with someone else? Mm. Is it like there's a Google Doc that you just brainstorm? Take me through that process. Yeah, sometimes there's a Google Doc. More recently, it's been kind of shared documents. Um, there aren't there aren't kind of any any hard and fast processes that people have to follow but the way in which I've been approaching it with the duet poems that I've I've been writing and um I did one um with a poet called YA incredibly talented um poet and we did one together for International Women's Day we always do something for the Million Women Rise March and with that we knew the topic we'll sort of do a bit of an intuitive brainstorm together write down the kind of points that we want to get no kind of okay what are we trying to say what is the overriding message of this poem like what, what do we what are we trying to get here and then we'll do what we call free writing so say for example um i we we did this poem um that was all about unifying bringing women together um we did free write so we're like right write for seven minutes on who are you fighting for and we'll just write with no thought of structure or what, what what's coming, just the emotion 
of it. Um, we'll give each other prompts based on the conversation and the brainstorm. Um, and then with that poem, we were able to kind of piece together the free rights that we created in, from conversation and then build them and edit them and obviously develop them and put them into more poetic form. Um, I've sat with poets before in group poems and, and got them to go line by line as an exercise on topic. And then again, that will get thrashed out, developed and, 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 and thickened up. Um, and then other times it is just leaving people to work intuitively together. Sometimes with group poetry, you have a lead writer. So someone will come to the group with a poem that they think, do you know what? This is going to work great for a group poem. And then the poem will be kind of chopped up and edited for performance. So it's just a really interesting art form. And, and I'm sure there are many other ways that people approach group poetry as well. They're just some of them. Um, but it's fascinating to watch the process. And then to be able to see one powerful poet on a stage is something. But to have, for example, four poets stood side by side really delivering something that they've crafted and rehearsed together it's mind-blowing yeah I, I definitely that's slightly terrifying for me because you know i write blog posts and that sort of thing for tech tech things being creative in that i don't find that very easy so my hats are off to you and working with other people like that do you work in a similar way when you're working with corporates or is that a different dynamic because you know the team might not want to share with each other how does that work mm. um it depends in which capacity I'm working with corporates, but are you talking if, I, if I'm doing workshops with corporates? Uh, yes. So yeah, I, I haven't brought collaborative poetry like that into the workshop spaces with corporates yet, but it's something that I would like to do. I had, in fact, that's, I do have the exercises where I do line by line and we play kind of poetry tennis and some kind of more lighthearted games. Um, but within all of my workshop spaces, I, I like to I really focus on creating a safe space and encouraging people to kind of trust and respect each other in that space. And that's always the idea. So most people share. But I also have a no pressure rule. So every now and then you get people that might write stuff and think, Do you know what, this is too personal. I don't want to share. Um, and that's absolutely fine. But but usually in, in, in a corporate space, what happens is. People are given the space and the freedom just for a moment to express outside of the confines of, of what they do at their desk. Um, and I've had it a few, in fact, I don't want to embarrass him actually, so I won't say who, but um, I did a workshop at a leading university and it was on mental health and writing for expression. And it was for, the staff came and the head of department came. Um, he was the head of the, the, the can't remember what the strand is called but mental health um studies and he was really really dubious I, I could his whole energy was very resistant it was only a 45 minute taster workshop and I led everyone through a guided free write at the end they had to pick somebody to write a letter to to express something they've they've never said so it's very open to interpretation afterwards this big bad head of department who who really did not want to enjoy this workshop had tears streaming down his face as he read his poem which he'd which he'd written for his daughter um and he was quite overwhelmed at first and a little bit embarrassed but I'd already set out the parameters that it can get emotional and you know afterwards he thanked me 
his he, one of his team members came to me and said thank you she learned more about him in that 45 minute session than she had in the four years that she'd worked with him um, and and they booked me back so I, I go back frequently now um to um to just encourage that we're people we're humans well I know we all know each other based on our job title and who can help with xyz but especially this last year it's been heavy so it's nice to be able to see the human side of our colleagues um sometimes makes it a bit easier to understand and, and be em empathic as well to Definitely. people we work with I, I couldn't agree more with that working with some organization I'm not a member of their organization obviously I, I'm just somebody like who steps in but you can tell that a lot of these organizations that they, they are struggling to sort of create this um remote working um cohesion you know the, mm. the work gets done but sometimes it's without the airs and graces and that sort of thing and sometimes it is and I think doing what you do with corporates that that can add a lot of the humanity in and certainly I think Paula Sizek when we were talking with her earlier in the um, week uh, she was mentioning that the future of remote work is going to be a lot more of these sort of collaborative experiences together mm. but remotely done or you come together in one sort of place once a year or something and, and you do that so I definitely think you know doing stuff like this which hits at an emotional level because work is quite emotional whether you know you choose or not to is super important so um yeah hats off to you for doing that and doing it well it sounds like as well um i'd love to be in one of those sessions one day i'm gonna have to sell that into one of my clients aren't i um right um next week next month even it well next week yeah, it is next week uh mental health month and i know you are busy um why is that topic so close to your heart and poetry in general I mean, I am, I speak quite openly about the fact that I'm a survivor of domestic abuse. So when I, in, in my work since, in the poetry that I wrote, I found myself advocating for and speaking on the topic, especially in relation to mental health. Um, in, I, I don't know, a form of spoken activism, I guess. And in sharing my story, I had so many people, men and women, contact me and thank me and reach out to me and, and it made me realise, okay, this is purposeful. This is this is really legitimately helping people, letting people know they're not alone. Um, at that point, even just to help one person, I, I was really happy to be able to do. And then the workshops that I started, Poetry Prescribed, um, four years it will be in November this year, are all centred around using spoken words to promote positive mental health and well-being so it's it's really mental health awareness and advocating for for mental health awareness is integral to 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 the work that I do and to, to my entire career really so yes yeah, it's, it's important and I'm excited because I've got new partnerships happening mm. um I'm I've I had a meeting today actually um with an incredible incredible um lady called tasha keating who runs something called she runs it and does these things called the wild women hikes the theme this year for mental health awareness week is nature love it as i said at the start of the show i love nature it's been a big part of my healing it's a, a big part of, of me maintaining good health and well-being is being out in nature um and Tasha runs these incredible um, hikes for women. And we both share a love of this book called Women Who Run With The Wolves. Incredible book. So we, we're going to be, I haven't told anyone this actually, this is an ex exclusive. We're going to be announcing a series of 
um, walk and rights. So there'll be beautiful mm -hmm. nature spots where we will have hikes that are led, professionally led, med easy to medium terrain, um, nothing, nothing too heavy, where people can come together, connect and write. We will also be doing a series of walk and rights that are open to, to, to everybody, but we feel it's important, especially with everything that's been happening. Um, I mean, it's, 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 it's nonstop for, for women and those working on the front line. Um, it, it's hard work, but particularly in terms of what's been happening in the public arena um, at the moment in relation to violence against women, women not mm. feeling safe, it's imperative that we create platforms and spaces within our existing spaces where women can feel safe to come and I mean it's not always drama and anger and rage although we have a lot of it and rightly so rage and anger that, that a lot of people are seeing all over our all these tweets and the timelines now rage comes from a place of pain you know and and, and hurt and right now I think it's important to have spaces for women to, yes, come and hurt and rage, but also for women to come and, and be able to relax, for women to be able to come and talk, for women to feel safe. So, yeah, anyone listening that's in charge and is running businesses, please look after the female staff better. Do better. Definitely. And I know you're really active in the women's rights uh, and specifically around the pay gap as well. Um Talk to me a little bit about a lot of your poetry speaks truth to power and you're very clear about the direction that you take that in. Tell us a bit about why you choose that route and sort of why you focused on that. I um, I know what it is to be silenced. I know what it feels like to desperately want somebody to hear your truth and for it to be blocked. And, and anyone else that knows that feeling understands that the helplessness and the hopelessness and, and the darkness that comes with that. So for me, yeah, it might sound a bit wishy-washy or even saviory type, um, but I'm going to say it anyway, like it's, it's just part and parcel of, of my purpose. I can't, to not do it, to not speak up, to bite my tongue on certain issues when I've got a platform and a space and, and a way to, to tell stories that don't usually get heard for me would be criminal. So that's why I speak truth mm. to power. And I, I mean, when we met, I can, is profanity allowed on this show or do I bleep, do I bleep it? When I say, yeah, it? say what you feel. Other people can believe it. Oh, great. So, well, because when we met, and I did that. We we would. I was talking for it was the, the lost lectures. I did a poem called "Fuck Your Feelings," which is a very uncomfortable poem for those people that are not ready to delve into contact uh, uh, conversations or, or things about racism and privilege. And it was a, 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 a predominantly white space. And I remember you came straight up to me. <laughs> I'm like, that was fucking fantastic. I really, I want to talk to you about making people uncomfortable at my events. And I thought, yeah, <laughs> be, because from discomfort comes conversation. It doesn't Absolutely. have to be antagonistic. It doesn't have to be war. It doesn't, uh, discourse can be healthy. Um, and um, I've learned that I can use my words to create a, a, a discomfort that leads to conversation and, and, and that is a catalyst for, for conversation. It's been important. So, so I've been able to, 
to use my my words to pr to promote change. I've worked with Million Women Rise, Imkan, Southall Black Sisters, Flows, Reclaim the Night, the Women's Equality Party. I I'm just here to see safer spaces for women. One, one of us is getting killed every three days in the UK. So it's serious, you know, and I know no one wants to talk about it. It's not lighthearted and we don't all, you know, want to be, be dark and, and, and I get that. But at the same time, it's, it's very, very real what, what's happening. So I'll keep really, writing the poems for yeah. as long as the women keep, as long as this keeps happening, then I, I'm, I'm always going to do it. Um, no, it is We could do it in a healthy way. You know, it doesn't always have to be. There are, there are things that are happening now, like these, like, uh, wild women hikes and being able to come together and write and and create and talk and we have the privilege of being able to create safe spaces um, yeah. there's women in the world now that couldn't even come together if they wanted to so you know we, we just continue to move forward and, and try to to make changes in a positive and a productive way <laughs> that isn't making us feel like we want to die every morning, you know? No, exactly. And that's that's the key, isn't it? Is change and forging ahead, you know, moving past things and like going beyond things and demanding yeah. change. That that's the biggest bit. And I've seen I've seen you with crowds and rile them up in good ways, you know, not as in like go and like we've seen in other parts of the world, should we say, where it's like go and um, you know, break windows and that sort of stuff. You've done it in ways that have forged change in other ways, you know, signing petitions, asking, you know, making telephone calls and that sort of stuff. So hundred percent behind you on that. You you wanted to talk about curiosity. So let's have a chat around that. Um, one of the World Economic Forum's top skills that people need in 2025 and beyond is curiosity. And um you wanted to do the recital around the, the poem that you wrote um, around curiosity. So yeah, so the poem that Miss Yankee is going to perform is all about curiosity. I'll let her introduce it and sort of her thinking behind it. But um, yeah, take it away. Okay, so it goes like this. Albert Einstein once said, I have no special talent. I am only passionately curious. He was either being very humble or there was something in what he said. As this quote played on repeat in my head, I began to think about what it means to me to be curious. My curiosity is a part of my nature, my makeup. I wake up and wonder, I wander through curious streets. There is no cure for my curiosity. The city in my mind never sleeps. My curious thoughts wandering onto paths that many are too scared to follow, for failure really is a hard pill to swallow. Although it seems to always precede progress. My curiosity gives me an appetite for knowledge. I'm out here actively seeking a diverse array of experiences, opinions, lifestyles and topics. My curiosity challenges me to be honest, so I will admit that my curiosity sometimes leads me to gossip my... Curiosity got me that astronomical pay rise in 2005. I couldn't help but wonder if the guys on my floor were getting paid more for doing less. Apparently, I was right about that. My curiosity has killed no cats, but did force me to call out the gender pay gap. In fact, my curiosity has been instrumental in my success. How many times has it been said, if you do not ask, you do not get? And yes, my curiosity has at times been met with disregard some lessons are harder than others. My curiosity means I'm always seeking new and better ways to create. 
My curiosity encourages me to ignore the status quo and go my own way. My curiosity encourages me to make mistakes because it knows that the lessons in loss can be the fuel for new ideas to take off. My curiosity opens doors to self-discovery and endless possibilities. My curiosity increases productivity and fends off any tendencies to fall into complacency. My curiosity helps me see the beauty and magic in everything surrounding me. My curiosity means I dream so big and so audaciously that some they think I'm crazy. See, my curiosity allows me to be unashamed. So I hope my curiosity will never, ever leave. Thank you. Brilliant. I remember you performing that. It was, um, what was it, 2019 at TBD Late, the first time we'd ever done Late and that sort of stuff. Really late yeah. at night. And, and you could just see that the people were sort of like captivated with the way you did it because you were moving around a very small stage as well. Just one question around that. How much does the, because obviously it's words and I want you, and people, you want them to listen and that sort of stuff. How much is theatre with poetry? I mean, I guess it's down to the individual poet. I think with performance poetry, there's definitely um, theatrical elements. And of course, some poetry is written and developed for theatre and for stage. And it's been part and parcel of stage. I mean, you could go back to the sonnets and go back to Shakespeare and, and, and look at the use of poetry in theatre and in plays. Um, in terms of specifically what I do with spoken word, it's difficult to tell. You have some people that do sp spoken word that come from a theatre background and you can hear it and see it in, in, in performance, um, but others come from a musical or a lyrical background. So, yeah, it really does depend on who the poet is and what their entry into poetry was. Um, for me, it was music and theatre, so I feel like there's elements of both. Oh, don't let me forget to talk about um, music um, before we go as well. Um, your work intertwines society, big issues, lots of other things as well. Uh, it's, it's quite poignant considering we're on Twitter spaces at the moment. But do you think the internet um, yeah. and social media um, contribute to the well-being of poets or is it detrimental? What would be your take on that? I think wider than that is, does it contribute to the well-being of people? Because poets are kind of disguised everywhere. You don't even know who a poet is. They're like they're like uh, X Men, just hidden amongst us all. <laughs> um, so I, I think, from a professional point of view, I mean, the, the, this, it's subjective. But I would say yes, it's given people an opportunity to to showcase the the poetry if it's if it's good. Um, it can really we've got specifically got like Instagram and Twitter poets now, and that's all they do. So I think online has definitely given people new ways, a bit like with music industry, you know, it used to be all A&Rs and now people can sell themselves online, can't they? Will be discovered on YouTube. And um, I see that happening with spoken word and with, with poetry increasingly now as well, people having a bigger space to, to market themselves and, and promote themselves. But... Um, it's also saturated. So I guess like anything, it could be very easy to slip into comparing yourself to others and wanting to keep up and wearing a mask. 
and all of that. So I don't have a straight answer for you, Paul. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. I think you, you I think you answered that fine. Um, you and I have spoken at length about spoken activism um, before. Uh, can you explain what that is and the movement sort of surrounding it? Yeah, so spoken activism um, is usually poetry that, that's that's in response to um, a cause or in response to some kind of injustice or something that, that really is, is, is wrong in the world. So it's poets that, that make a choice to use their craft in order to, to speak truth to power, a bit like we were saying earlier. Um, and it's something historically that's that, that's been done within poetry, looking at people like um, Gil Scott Heron, the last poet, you know, the revolution, uh, Gil Scott Heron famously with the revolution will not be te televised. Um, spoken activism. Yeah, it's not it's not a new thing. It's I, I actually think it's integral to to the art form, really. A, a lot of people know about poetry through activism. I think it's certainly one of the most important areas that we have at the moment is figuring out how do we affect change from our leaders and also our bosses and those sorts of things. Um, I, I find everyone's got a different take on it. You know, what activism means to them, certainly nowadays and, you know, based on a lot of people having their mm. first protests, you know, recently and that sort of thing. So I think anything that can sort of help people express themselves and, you know, really force change to, I'm 100% behind. And I've seen I've seen people, like you said earlier, brought to tears by poetry. And that's just ones I've seen online, you know, that sort of thing. I'm sure it's, you know, to, to really be immersed in it, to have either a slam poet, festival or just you know somebody who you didn't think was going to stand up and do poetry that would infect you publicly I think is something that a lot of people have yet to experience and that's why I wanted to sort of bring it to TBD as well. I, I think one more really important thing to add there whilst you're saying that is depending on who the poet is this is it's not just words or flinging together any words I mean I've been doing a lot of stuff within the academic field recently and someone could have the most incredible um, report that's written research paper that's been done the prolific academics who are who are known within academic circles for speaking to to rooms of of students but sometimes that may, what 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 would take them 10 to 15 minutes on stage to articulate a poet could take that same information and put it into 3 minutes of bam you're going to get this information, whether you're ready for it or able to or not. There's a way that poets can interpret information. And I mean performance poets and spoken word poets um, specifically. Um, and, and I think that it's it's something that more and more people are becoming aware of. Like, OK, poets aren't just there for, for us to click fingers at an open, word, uh, 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 open mic night. They may be able to help me articulate my message in a better way or help me promote my brand in a better way, or help me to tell my story in a better way. And I think that's something that's really interesting about how um, our scene and our art form is being looked at, kind of what are the different ways and new ways in which wordsmiths can be used um, within, within work and, and employment settings. So it's very exciting 
it is very exciting and I'm, I'm loving you don't necessarily need a copywriter sometimes you need a poet I think that's really interesting actually and it, it ties in nicely to something Jamina said um, in one of the, the comments using the hashtag um, she said she, that she finds people are losing words in the capacity to communicate um, have you noticed something similar in English and I guess that's what you're saying there really is that you know sometimes it takes somebody else to sort of put words into your mouth if that makes sense yeah, and, and sometimes it's not even the words. Sometimes there's a way in which we might take the same kind of word scheme as someone, but it might be performed or delivered in a slightly different way. It's the impact. It's it's being able to to tie together, different, use different poetic devices and different performance devices to create something that impacts on the listener. Um, someone could go and give exactly the same message, but if it isn't, if it isn't, I mean, it's like anything. We all like something that's gift wrapped nicer and we all like things that come with clear instructions and poetry can do that. Thanks for listening. Find out more about Mouthwash and the next season over at mouthwashshow.com. Mouthwash is recorded live on Twitter Spaces before becoming the podcast you've been listening to. Thanks to Ecology for planting a tree for every listener and Shell for sponsoring the show. Let me know if you're enjoying Mouthwash so far by leaving us a rating and a review. Remember to subscribe to Mouthwash wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes featuring activists, AI experts, Silicon Valley royalty, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists, and a whole lot more besides. See you next time, and remember, always start or end your day with a little mouthwash.